willkommen zum Viennale-Podcast. Mein Name ist Alexandra Zavia. Ich unterhalte mich mit Gästen der Viennale 2022. Heute spreche ich mit Denis Coté. Wir unterhalten uns über seinen Film That Kind of Summer. Hi, Denis. Hello. Where are you? I'm in uh, Montreal, Canada. And it's early morning, so I'm talking to you now. Right. Uh, we are doing this call and this talk per video uh, call. I'm in Vienna right now. And yes, how are you? Well, it's been uh, it's been uh, quite a ride with the film. The film is a couple months old now, like, I don't know, seven, eight months old since we released the film in Berlinale. So uh, It's been quite a ride with all the reactions to the film, but overall, I guess I'm okay, still fighting with some health issues, but overall, I'm okay. Thanks. I will uh, go into that more a little later on. Um, the film That Kind of Summer is about, I'll just be very basic now in my description, is about three women who have been diagnosed, we don't know by who, um, to be hypersexual, so to say, and they um, are joining um, a retreat somewhere in the woods voluntarily to um, have therapy, or we don't really know why they are there. Uh, there's a therapist there, and uh, there's a social worker there, a man. The other one is a woman also. And uh, we are there with them for 26 days um, now let me start with the most obvious question uh, not about the sex but about the season why summer oh that's how you start uh, why summer um, well I, I think there's something in the history of cinema that is um, connected with summer and films about sex and summer I feel there's something connected with um, our visual mythology of something, the 70s or the 80s. There's something erotic that is connected with summer. There's something that is connected with um, our nice teenage years when we used to do in these cabins in the woods and we have very strong souvenirs about something. So I'm taking this sort of context, the summary context where we're having so much fun and it's called that kind of summer. So it's a summer that we will remember all our lives or it's a summer that we will never remember because it's too vague. So I really like this vague title, that kind of summer. It's like a box and then you open the box. It's supposed to be summer. We're supposed to have fun. And then you open the box And there are a few surprises in the box. So I felt that summer was uh, much more fitting for a subject like that or a film like that. But I can also just tell you, it's just a season. Do you have another question? <laughs> yeah, or maybe it's just uh, that um, people uh, do not wear so much clothing when in summer, you know? Um... <laughs> you can see it like that if you want, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are getting to the to the um, uh, critic uh, critical issues in a bit, but um, yeah, you were talking about something now that that 
that's also resounding in the film. There are um, certain expectations when we hear certain words or certain uh, certain ass uh, assignments. Um, sex is one of them. So why would anybody who is expecting to see a sex film be disappointed from your film? Yeah, we need to... I, I was just listening to you when you were talking about the synopsis of the film. We don't know why. We don't know why. They, they are there... They are so-called hypersexual. They were diagnosed by we don't know who. So there's a lot of we don't know why in the film. I needed the context, just the context. So the 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 house in the woods, the so-called film about sex or whatever. All this is a context, just to film human beings, the way they talk to each other, they would. They approach each other the way they are talking about their sexualities, their intimacies. I, I just needed a context. So that's why there are a lot of questions without any answers in the film. But then we need to be careful because um, people use a lot of shortcuts when they talk about the film. They say it's about women. It's about sex. Well, I think it's much more delicate than that. And people coming to see the film expecting sex of course they're going to be disappointed the film is made by a 48 year old man in 2022 and there's no way i'm just going to make a film about sex where you're going to see just sex and i'm going to show you a bunch of women naked you know there's no way i'm going to do that so don't expect to see a film too much about sex. Try to open the box and make it a bit more complicated. With this film, the most striking thing also is the exposition. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the female characters, they are upfront with their sexuality, with their traumatic experiences uh, related to their sexuality, um, but also with their desires, with their uh, dreams also. You, you are blending a lot of dream sequences and um, <clears throat> surreal elements also. Um, so I had the feeling that this exposition, actually, this, this being completely, you know, um, come as you are that that being you know uh, um very very uh clear about what and who they are uh is actually creating a protection much more than um if you were showing them uh in in a supposedly protective way so that was an interesting thing to see uh how did you um go about it or conceive it because i can imagine that was also your thinking behind it Yeah, uh, well, the beginning of the the whole process was a little funny, actually, because I think we were just a bunch of friends talking about the history of Quebec cinema, and we were wondering how come we don't film sexuality or nudity anymore since we used to do it in the 70s. Not that I miss the 70s, not that I miss that kind of cinema, but we used to make a lot more of these exploitation films in the 70s that were all very bad. And but and I don't want these films to come back. But we were making jokes about making such a film in 2022. Would it be possible? Could I 
could I try making one? But it was more like a provocation. And then uh, we stopped talking about that. And then I read uh, an amazing book by um, a historian from New York. She's called uh, Carol Groneman. And the book was called Nymphomania, A History. And basically, the book is not a feminist manifesto or anything. It's just uh, the history of the word nymphomania. Where does that word come from? Why should we stop using it? Uh, why it doesn't mean anything? What was the relationship with uh, female desire before Sigmund Freud, after Sigmund Freud, today? How do we deal with woman's desires? And that book was so fascinating to read. Uh, it was very informative. Again, it was not a feminist manifesto or an angry book or anything. It was really, really informative. And I thought, wow, can I try in 2022 to make a film from my point of view, which is quite sensitive as a straight white male in 2022? Can I approach that subject? Is it too much of a challenge? Is it, will I be attacked for making such a film? So I thought, no, let's sit down write about very complex characters, make sure that I work with a lot of women around me. So I work with two sex therapists. I worked with uh, my assistant. She's not assistant or co-writer, but she was with me all the time. Uh, someone called Rachel Graton. And then asking the actresses to read every incarnation of the script. And I was listening and I was listening a lot. And many times during the process, one collaborator would say, Denis, scene 37, it's written by a man. It's obvious. And then I was like, oh, okay, really? And I would listen. With my other films, I would be like, okay, I'm the author. Leave me alone. It's my point of view. It's personal. Let me make my film, you know? For this film, I had the duty to listen to the people around me. And it was a pleasure to listen to all these women around me. So when I would hear something like, this is written by a man, I was like, wow, tell me more, tell me why. So we would change the script. And the script became these, I hope, these very sensitive portraits of, of women and like you said, their desires and they, they express very explicitly what they want to say and try to erase the fact that it's written by a guy. I know it's impossible and it comes, it brings us back to this famous male gaze thing. People will never forget that it's written and directed by a man, but I tried to do the maximum to give all the space to all these women actresses and collaborators you know i i understand i mean it's true that when i hear the word nymphomaniac or even hypersexuality i don't you know actually hear anything about sexuality but i hear um misogynistic or um you know resentment uh, behind it uh, and i hear actually a man saying it <laughs> Uh, uh, so, I mean, men have uh, an eternal history. 
that's what I, I understood from the book. It was yeah. from a historical perspective. It was amazing because if you go back to 19th century in the book, it says every time a woman had a problem with uh, desire, sexuality or desire, she would go see a male doctor or a male psychologist. And these guys would always find solutions that were first physical. So it was a butchery. It was ridiculous. ridiculous. And then after Freud, it was, uh, hey, guys, it's in their heads. Yeah. Okay. But solutions were still kind of misogynous, you know. Yeah. And the book is going on and on. And it talks about how it is today with the, um, the book talks about the 80s culture with the... Um, uh, the hip hop culture or the um, pornography and how women's desires are. Yeah, yeah. Let me say something. Otherwise, I'm forgetting my thoughts. Um, uh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, there is an eternal history of, of, of men diagnosing women with some diseases, you know, uh, and uh, a, a big amount of those diagnoses just simply stem from the fact that men are afraid of uh, something uh, that has to do with women, be it they don't think they can uh, control a woman, they uh, sense a, a strength which they cannot, you know, suppress and so on. So a lot of that is the reason why there is such a long history of, of um, male diagnosis of, uh, you know, insanity uh, regarding uh, to women. I mean, apart from the fact that uh, women were not allowed to be doctors for a long time. So um, that's absolutely true. And a kind of approach you were taking by Uh, consulting a lot of women around you um, it sounds when you're describing it like that it sounds like an opportunity you were taking to also experience something or learn something for yourself um, uh, but it could also uh, because I wanted to ask if it was out of I don't know, insecurity also, because there's a lot of, you know, um, uh, criticism, as you were saying, am I allowed as a man to to make this? And I don't think that should be the question, but you're correct in, in, in kind of like considering that. So was there a kind of, um, you know, pre-carefulness pre, um, to the whole project? Yeah, I like that you use the word security or protection, because now when I give interviews, I am torn between assuming the film totally, which I'm doing. I think this film is, some people said courageous. I'm not that, I don't agree that much with this term, but The film is ambiguous and is not excusing itself for existing. So I'm assuming the film totally. But now that some parts of the internet are on fire and some people like to say, oh, he's a man, he's not allowed to do this. I'm giving interviews with a sort of protection or carefulness that with other films I would not use, you know? So, but I think that's okay. So when I was making the film, I didn't think I would be attacked because I was trusting people to be much more intelligent than the low levels of internet are. And actually the, all the Q and A's, the discussions and the, the, the interviews are really amazing. And some reactions are really amazing. 
but you still need to know who you're talking to. Who is the interviewer? Who are the people in front of you? And I can see that a lot of people are coming to see this film just to hate it, just to fight with it. And then when the film is over, they say, oh, okay, this film was respectful. This film had a lot of empathy. This film was this and that. So I'm very pleased to hear that. But back to what you were saying about all this, um, all this carefulness, I, I still wanted these women to be totally who they are as a character, not as women. And the danger with this film is to say, this is a film about women. And all the actresses who are defending the film, that's what they always repeat. Please don't watch this film thinking it's a film about women. When I was writing, there was never a moment where I was saying, oh, women think like that. Women do that. You know, that would be so easy. Or sex is like that. You know, we all have our different ways of dealing with our sexualities and intimacies. And of course, when you watch a film with these three specific characters, sometimes you will agree, sometimes you won't, because it's a mirror on your own sexuality. So I heard things like, how can this character be a victim of incest and then do bondage? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Of course it can make sense. For a lot of women or a specific person, it can make sense. And for the other one, it doesn't make sense. So using this film as a, as a manifesto about sex or about women, that is the danger with this film. And I tried to avoid it. It's interesting to see that a lot of um, spectators expect um, kind of, um, I don't know, moral uh, uh, to the film. Uh, they are expecting a moral from the film like or a catharsis. I don't know what. So I think or I have the feeling that a lot of people are lost by the fact that, um, well, not nothing, you know, nothing since the spectacular happens in a way that you know uh, there is no punishment there is no there are no tears there are no uh, you know sex scenes there are no I mean uh, you know all that kind of of, of things um, and and to have those expectations uh, for a film it's actually to me um, more um, uh, revealing, Uh, or says a lot more about the, the the problems of the spectators than about the film. But I don't know uh, what's what's. Uh, I, I totally agree with you on all this, and the sense that yeah, people expect moral, and people accept uh, expect um, shocking scenes, or so the film was. The way I imagined the film was there was no way I would. Uh, the film was never intended to be a provocation. Never. We never tried to imagine a shocking scene, like people would talk about it. Like we used to talk about Catherine Breya or Gaspar Noé's films from the early 2000. Like, did you see this film? There's a real penetration in it, you know? When you have one of the characters tell about the rape scene, for example, it is shocking what she's saying, but we don't see it. It's, it's all in our heads. Whereas the other films, 
partly show it and nobody is criticizing that they are showing it. So that's that's something I don't really... Uh, it's because you expect it. It's because yeah. you expect it. People told you, go see this film. You're going to be shocked every 10 minutes, 15 minutes. The films can be good. The film can have qualities. But there's something in your brain that has to do with expectation of seeing something that will give you some sort of thrill. In my film, there is a sense of frustration in the way I created it. Not that we are selling you sex. Please remember, it's called That Kind of Summer. It looks completely inoffensive or whatever. But then you're like, okay, there's maybe, maybe there's a surprise in that film. And then I take pleasure in not showing you anything, but by telling you crude things. And it's up to you to imagine what you want to imagine. And for a lot of people, that is not enough, like you say. For a lot of people, it's enough. For a lot of people, it's not enough. But I take no pleasure in showing you something violently or sexually explicit because it doesn't give me anything. And I don't think it gives you more perspective on anything. So the film is a bit like uh, we're walking on eggshells. You know, uh, it, it hurts your feet, but you don't actually see anything, you know. And then I'm playing with the viewer. I'm, there's a man in the house in the film. In real life, there would be no man. So I'm playing with even more expectations. And the film is answering absolutely no questions to anything. It's not a film about therapy. It's not a big fuck off to therapy, but it's not too far from it. It's just beautiful human beings with maybe problems maybe they don't have a problem but please talk to me talk to us about what you're living are they real problems are you really sick because you are hypersexual or is it just our perspective on you and when the film is over we didn't answer anything so for a lot of people there was no solution but are there any solutions to our sex lives? Are we supposed to find solutions to the beauty of our intimacies, you know? So the film is an exploration. The film is not a, an answer to anything. And of course, when I'm making a film like that, I never forget who am I, this 48-year-old guy talking about a subject that he's not supposed to talk about. So why would I bring answers? answers to these questions so i had a duty not to answer all my problematics in this film there is some uh, uh thread also running through of um human beings trying to make connections uh to something um to to other human beings or to themselves in a way there is a very, very beautiful bondage scene in the film. And um, I find it beautiful mainly for that reason, because it's taking the art of bondage very serious. It, there's a lot of respect for the art form. Uh, can you say a, a little more about how that was uh, uh, shot? Mm -hmm. Well, I like the, the fact that you talk about the the seriousness and the respect I had towards sexuality as a whole. Because as if you try to treat the question of sexuality with a 
a, a grin on your face or a haha, let's try to do this and that. And it's based on your own sexuality. You won't go anywhere. So you need to, to open your perspective on every kind of sexual practices. You have to be sure that you're not judging anything. It can be BDSM or it can be people who are afraid of sex. You need to be open to all these practices and never come with a judgment. So, yes, there's a moment in the film where uh, I was looking for a character to... Uh, I thought the, the, the character of Leonie, she's someone who is in the dynamic of um, detesting her own body because she's a victim of incest and she's living with a trauma. So we can understand that this character, she needs a sort of electroshock every time she's dealing with sex. So it can be hard pornography. It can be a pain during sex, but we can feel that she's a bit more hardcore with the relationship of her body. So as soon as we give her 24 hours to leave the house in the film, the first thing she's doing is going to see a friend or a mentor or a dominator or and she is um, she's doing this bondage scene. And I thought, okay, there's no way I'm gonna film this as a novelty. I don't want the audience to be, oh my God, bondage, as if we've never seen that before. So my intention was to film something that will be considered violent for some people, extremely beautiful by other people, um, some people say, oh, my God, I want to try that tomorrow morning, you know. So the scene had to be a mixture of beautiful and violent at the same time. And the Q&As are incredible. Some people are like, why are you serving me that scene for eight minutes? I couldn't breathe. And then the woman next to that person is like, hey, I would like to try that. Where, where could I try this practice, you know? So that's how we approach the scene. The whole team, when we were shooting it, we were like, wow, it's so beautiful. It's this and that. And, and then about the mechanic of the scene, the actress needed to practice for a while. So she uh, went to see this Shibari artist for six months. And what you see in the film was her eighth or ninth seance of bondage so we knew exactly what we would what she will do uh it's always hard for her she, i don't think she's a fan of bondage she told me they, she did it for the film only but the scene in the end is very spectacular and it's the real actress doing it so it's a mixture of a beautiful stunt and something that will be considered violent by other people. But I try to make sure that there are no judgment on my part on these practices. You know, my personal life or everybody's personal life has nothing to do with what I try to expose in this film. I just hope the film is a mirror for everybody watching it. You think it fits for you, for your sexuality, and you connect with the film you reject the film because it doesn't fit your own sexuality. That for me is all really, really interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for the talk. Tini. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. Danke fürs Zuhören. Wir hören uns beim nächsten Viennale Podcast.